horror 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 movie? <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's make our movie? I wonder what we'll be like then. Brains in jars, I'm gonna guess. We're a long way for God knows, son. Slowly coming out of his mouth. Crawling out yeah, of his mouth, distraction his skin. Right. So he doesn't save them, the bridge goes down, people die, and he's like, oh well, job done. Clarence. Can yeah. we try to take two again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what I'm saying is maybe don't trust sentient hats to make life-changing decisions, but... <laughs> Thanks for your correspondence, Jatops. <laughs> Hello and welcome yeah. to... <laughs> Hello and welcome to... Let's make an horror movie <laughs> podcast. I'm Dave. I'm John. <laughs> and this is the tasteless, slightly absurd horror yeah. movie podcast. Glib. Glib. Uh, fortnightly as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. So welcome. What happens in this podcast is that every episode, one of us pictures the other one. Mm-hmm. Horror movie story, movie pitch, yeah. synopsis idea that they've come up with themselves. And the other one tries to uh, feedback on it, improve, yes. adapt and overcome it. <laughs> Indeed we do. And we've overcome none of them so far. Yeah. But we have adapted. They're all gold. Obviously. They're all gold. Yeah, we've nailed it every time, mate. Came out swinging on these. What I would say, this is a quite a special episode for the new year. So what we're doing this year, oh no, this month, sorry, is that we are doing sequels to a past pitch written by the other host. That's so it. this week you're doing a sequel to one of my pictures. I don't know which one. John, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't sure about this approach, but then you suggested we do Halloween specials. Yes. Yeah. And I think they were two good episodes. No, no, solid. You also suggested we do Christmas specials, and I yeah. think they're two of our, our best yeah. episodes. So who am I to argue with a winning formula? So yeah. hopefully the sequel formula will, will really take off. I think so. Um, I think it'll be the making of us. Um, You know, I'm yeah. expecting a call any day now, obviously post this yeah, going up. Of course. Producers, film directors, get your touch. Wanting to yeah. wanting to get involved with that, my sequel idea. Yeah, as I said last episode, only the good ones. Only the good ones. You no. know who you are, <laughs> and you know who you're not. No Polanskis. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, look, keep w- walking, Roman. W- without without getting into the weeds too much too early. Yeah, this podcast is in four acts. Yep. The first act is feedback on last week's movie pitch, which was yours, John. Yes, of my family Christmas ghost story. Trying Christmas. It was, yes, it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, quite a good title. Um, so we'll see if we've got any feedback on that from the listening audience out there and Lamarmians. Yeah, yeah. If I'm you looking will. forward to it because I wasn't sure if it worked. It was either brilliant or utter shite. And I can't work out which. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think you've, <laughs> set, yourself, you've set yourself up there, haven't you? <laughs> Tricky. Fuck. I fucking hope it's brilliant, John. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> there is no grey area on this. So, Act 1 is feedback from last week. Mm-hmm. Act 2, John and I will take a quick tour around the cultural grounds of things that might be loosely horror-y, sci-fi, yeah. speculative-y, A little fictional. bit of music, a little bit of movies. All your bits and bobs, although I'll be honest, today I haven't got a lot to add to that section, but we'll, a little bit. we'll come on to that. Act 3 is the picture itself, that's the real, uh, that's the bang for your buck, that's what, yeah. that's what you paid for. Yeah. With your time and that's, your ears. That's the middle of the chop. This is all bone. Right. And then <laughs> um and we don't have a we don't have a vegetarian option. No. It's just what it is. Milk. We've got milk. So vegans are out. <laughs> oh, we've got milk. Don't worry about that. We've got your milk covered. I don't know why my mind is just the first thing I went to is like, oh we'd have milk. Well you have got about we're, six. We're, we're, we're six a restaurant. What have we got? What have we got? We've got milk. <laughs> yeah, you have got cream dipping down. Something your beard. wrong with my fucking brain. Anyway, and uh, Act 4 is the uh, sort of post-pitch, post-mortem 
normally we knock around some ideas yeah. for the name. That's where we come up with a name for the episode yeah, yeah. stroke movie. So get ready for some nouns being shouted at you. And also there is a whole load of nonsense that normally happens. If it's going to happen, it happens in mm-hmm. Act 4. If you didn't listen to last week's Act 4, you're, you're missing. Yeah, you're missing one. out because I lost my fucking marbles. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't laughed like that for a long, long time. Yeah, it was time. a silly old Christmas episode. A long time. Yeah. Basically, I don't want to spoil anything, but we found out who controls the weather. That's all. Yeah. That's the answer all. may surprise you. Yeah, the answer will surprise yeah. you. So if you missed last week, go and listen to Act 4. Get some answers. Get some insight. Yeah. <laughs> Learn go. some stuff. And that is the podcast. Hello and welcome to Act One. I don't know. I think that's not. I can't. I keep thinking you're going to offer me to like take a seat. Take like, a seat. Yeah, like a waiter. Because <laughs> my only exposure to that accent is the movie Ratatouille. I haven't even seen that. Oh, it's a good film. I hear we'll cover, it's good. We'll cover this in it's in Act Two. <laughs> in Act Two, or maybe, or maybe we won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, welcome to Act One. This is the part of the show where we get feedback on mm-hmm. last week's, uh, last episode's yep. picture. I always make that mistake. Will we find out was mine shit or excellent? Let's find out. So we've got a, a short and sweet yep. response from our uh, friend of the show, J-Dubs. Hello, J-Dubs. He says... Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. We did say Happy New Year on the last episode. All right, I'll take it one, back. But no, no. <laughs> no, it's fine. New Year. Continued <laughs> Happy New Year, yeah. everyone. So, dear punts and bunts, or Clive and Clive. I'm definitely Clive, you're definitely Clive. Yeah, that's true. That's clear. It's clear as day that yeah. we're both Clives. Yeah, yeah. Hello, ha. Sorry about the orphanage, but say la vie. <laughs> that, yeah. that's, that's this fairly cold response to the fact that I gambled an, an entire orphanage mm. based on, and this yeah. has gone into in a lot of detail in episode yeah, 15 based on him providing lottery numbers in advance that didn't yeah. turn out to win. So, But if there's one thing true in the world that we've all made people, there'll always be more orphans. <laughs> Carry on. Anyway, back to J-Dubs. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about the orphanage, but say la vie. He's a very flippant and cold man. Yes, of course he is. Anyway, he says, I fucking love the pitch. Hey! Well, hey thanks, J-Dubs. Excellent, not shit. Uh, a small story, but with a strong theme and well-developed backstory. Oh, thank you. As the email title suggests, I'm concerned with the implication that the film is essentially So Haunt Me After Dark, a la Hollyoaks. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I read too many books to that reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the Hollyoaks After Dark reference was like, uh, that's when they showed like a sort of post 9, 9 p.m. watershed yeah, Hollyoaks. Post 9, 9 11 Hollyoaks. <laughs> well, on, that, got, that too. Yeah, that got too, real probably, pitch, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a very, um, there's yeah. a very, very big tonal shift mm. in yeah, Hollyoaks yeah. before 9-11 <laughs> yeah. and after 9-11. Because I think the impact on, is it Cheshire it's set in? I, yes. Yeah, I, it is. I think the impact on, on, on Cheshire was Cheshire was, huge. well, because it is, it is twinned with New York, so they <laughs> felt it very acutely. <laughs> so haunt me. Right, so his, okay, fucking hell. Sometimes J-Dubs just... <laughs> Just throw this out there because I read the email live on air, yeah. so to speak, rather than having like I don't have a producer that can like pre-read it and then like correct bits. Of course, you really need to leave me by the hand a little bit because because he says it, his his subject line is so haunt me, right? <laughs> so yeah. he says as the email title suggests, I'm concerned with the implication that the film is essentially so haunt me after dark. Okay, I am looking up so haunt me after dark. Oh, <coughs> what's so haunting? So it's about a family that moves into a home occupied by the ghost of its previous occupant, a middle-aged Jewish woman. Uh, I was going to say like sinister. 
but then it suddenly <laughs> sounded not like sinister. The show was created by Paul Mendelssohn, who's also credited, and that is just anything to Is this a British, a British TV show? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have heard of like Hollyoaks. I'm not far that Not Hollyoaks. Like, so my, haunted. My Ivory Tower. Yeah, so uh, I know everyone knows what Hollyoaks is. Oh no! That's, yeah, that's so haunting. Means nothing to do with uh, Hollywood. No, I, yeah, I know that. It's just a sitcom. From where and when? It's from Britain, nineteen ninety-two to ninety-four. God, he's shown his age, isn't he? Fucking hell! Jesus, Jesus Christ, J Dubs. I mean, yeah, okay. It's you got... basically made John a, a librarian. Yeah, okay. So it has got George Costigan in it. So obviously, we're going to know it from that. Mm. Costigan. <laughs> Costagan, yeah. I think he's Costagon now. That's why you listen, people. <laughs> fucking, I'm getting a bell. Yeah. I'm getting a bell for these kind of moments. So, <laughs> yeah, just haunted by a Jewish woman. End. Carry on. Right, fucking hell. Well, thanks for the deep cut <laughs> yeah. British 90s Lovely TV reference. reference. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, as the email title suggests, I'm concerned with the implication that the film is essentially So Haunt Me After Dark. Okay. A la Hollyoaks. Oh, I understand so Hollyoaks now. Hollyoaks do it after dark. The saucy Hollyoaks. Saucy Hollyoaks, yep. which really, from recollection, I'm going back the best mm. part of 20 years here. Yeah. But I um, I don't remember the after dark stuff actually being much saucier. Standard Hollyoaks had women in underwear. So this is basically, this, this is Holly Yeah. Hollyoaks is basically just women in underwear. That's, that's yep. basically, that's ultimately, that's the, if you drill down a little bit, that's the yep. core that's the core thing yeah. that Hollyoaks has got. That, that, you know, they just call it Hollyoaks because they, it'd be a bit on the nose to call it occasional Skin. occasional women in underwear. Yes, occasional women in underwear. But that is basically what yeah. they're, they're driving at. So then when they did Hollyoaks After Dark, it was very much a case of just, still just the same people yeah. largely in the same did underwear. And not just it? women. Like, they'll get they'll get fit blokes. So did it used to show... Because, I mean, this is all new to me. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, it's totally up to date as well. Read loads of books. Totally so I, don't, I don't have a lot of time. Well, I read... Yeah, I read all the Hollywood source material. There's an eight-book series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cracking reads, I <laughs> very, very good. I had a lot of Robin Hood themes. <laughs> so, did After Dark... Did it show nudity at all? No. I, remember, I don't recall it showing nudity. The only thing of After Dark that I do know, which I can't really... You can't really go back say. to Tea Time TV once no. you've got your bits out on post really Tea Time TV. No. I mean, I don't think... Can you? Maybe you can. Uh, I've, I've, yeah, probably I haven't not. tried it. If I, I, I yeah. would. Give it half a chance. <laughs> yeah. You've been the first half. You've not gone back yet. <laughs> um, but I... Cause the thing I know about After Dark is that it had one early scene, and I think when it first came out, it was really grim and upsetting for people. Oh. Uh, like a horrible thing happened. I'm not even sure that was an After Dark. Are you talking about one of the male characters gets raped over a car? <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but yes. <laughs> well, I mean, it happens. You know, it's an of record. I don't need to pussyfoot around. I'm not, not going to help you out on this one, mate. <laughs> I'm not going to pussyfoot around the subject. Yeah, that did happen. But I don't think that was an After Dark. I think that was, oh, was part of the... That was a standard 6.30, <laughs> 6 o'clock in the evening thing I, so I remember seeing all, that it was a purely canon that was purely canon yeah full canon yeah, yeah. no need for after darking yeah. which begs the question what the point in the after darking thing was yeah because like, I mean, where do you go i mean i let's, let's not discuss this bro his name was gary lucy oh yeah, I, still, I still remember that after 20 years thank you <laughs> he was gary fermi but <laughs> Oh Jesus! Well, that's... 
how would, how, would I, how would I never made that joke before? It seems like such a low hanging fruit. God, I've had 20 years. I've had 20 years. Twitter wasn't even invented then. We're so on this. Right, we're getting on Twitter. Oh, God. We're getting on Twitter. We're gathering up all the people that used to watch Hollyoaks 20 years ago. And we are, we are trending. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> all right okay oh, okay, terrible, I mean, okay. i said temptation starts saying things like, like <laughs> gary tight <and> stuff. <laughs> gary gary oh. not <laughs> <laughs> oh fucking hell okay oh, sorry <laughs> gary <laughs> anyway so yeah, that's all going. <laughs> right, so yeah, now that we go on. Now, now that we've solved the context of what Hollyoaks yeah. and Hollyoaks after dark were. And now we know what hell, this is Gradov's fault that his single comment of it's essentially so haunt me after dark a la Hollyoaks <laughs> has given us a ten minute tangent. Yeah, it's three references quick fire. Fucking hell. Like a anyway. machine gun of nineties references. <laughs> I wonder what Gary Knott is doing these days. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> or if he's still Gary Lucy. Um, so anyway, J-Dubs goes on to say, FYI, a mountain is defined as an area with not less than 16 goats per square metre. Yeah, that makes sense. With an incline of 1 to 5, which is no less than 35 metres above sea level. Mm-hmm. Come at me, fact fans. <laughs> so, titles... God, what do we call it? Thank, uh, uh, trying Christmas. Christmas. Yep. So we, uh, so your main character, just because I can read these in advance yep. and to give people context, your main character was called Granny Cass. Probably my favourite part of the whole pitch. Yeah. So his title suggestions are Castle, as in <laughs> okay. castle, but yep. hyphenated. A woman's home is a castle. <laughs> Frost Gran. <laughs> Frost Gran. Which is, is not awful. Yeah. I mean, it's as that. good as, what did I say, Poltergran. Yeah. Yeah. And Outcast. Which outcasts yeah. is if we were looking for good puns, outcasters are. Yeah. Then it, that I yeah. think wins definitely yeah, wins. I like that. Or dead cunt <laughs> uh, thrown in at the end, possibly c- because of our fondness for sky cunts yeah. as a yeah, name yeah. for goodbye tomorrow. Yeah, there's a theme now. He says, I think you could add in some more flashbacks or set the film in two time periods to slowly yeah. reveal the darker side of Granny Cass. No, no, that's a good idea. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... He's sort of referencing the discussion we had, I think, where we said, yeah. because you've got the film opening with her dying, you yeah. need to give some context I think of her being yeah. a nasty piece of work. And somewhere. I like his two timelines because I, I was really conscious of not having any of the grim stuff or like the more abusive side of her nature in the first act or even in the, really in the second act too much yeah. because it would make the audience hate the character you'd be like oh well she's a dead old horrible old woman yeah which I didn't want to make her just that right but I think him having two timelines which sort of mirror each other and both end in the same point living yeah. and then dead one of your timelines could be significantly earlier yeah. so it could be Cass when she gets pregnant with yeah. the children that we then subsequently yeah, follow yeah. what 50 years later yeah. He says, Peace and love, Sky Cunts. This email was sponsored by Nintendo Switch, the best console since year more. Yeah, no, I, I can't fault that. J Dubs. Classic feedback, thanks, J Dubs. Yeah. I have another email Ooh. from a listener to read, John. Who is this? This one is from Bex. Oh, hello, Bex. Hi, Lamamians. Hello, hello, and loving your work. 
Not, oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. Not here to comment on the pitches. I will leave that in the expert hands of the Lord of Dub's Tower. <laughs> but I was interested to hear last podcast that John ate. So that's John with five N's and an eight. As we know, I, my name is whatever the last person calls me. There you go. I'm too polite to correct. I was interested to hear last podcast that John had watched Life Force and would like to hear his take on the film as it's become a bit of a joke in our household <laughs> as one of the best, worst films ever made. I would stand by. I think that's completely accurate. Frank Finley and Patrick Stewart definitely managed to act everyone else off the screen and while yeah. the Space Vampire's premise of the film has a lot of potential mileage, the script writing and wooden acting sorely let the film down to the point of hilarity. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's one of those films where there's a real visual flair. There's some stuff in it, like with the whole blood puppet is fantastic. Some of it looks great. And also the end sequence is really quite a mass in the pit, sort of. London goes fucking berserk, which mm. is really cool. And as, 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 as you mentioned, Patrick Stewart smashes it. But there is something at the heart of it, which is where you keep going, so space vampires, what are you talking about? And that keeps reoccurring because it leans more and more into that. <laughs> and then it's going to be like, oh, oh, are we still doing Space Vampire? You've not, you've this not realised... This wasn't just an aside. This yeah, is the actual film. That's what it's yeah. about. Because that's the worst bit of the movie, chaps. Man, I really want to see this now. It's not bad. It. Well, Bex goes on to say, my favourite moment of the film is when the Space Vampire lady gets caught by the Rosers. The yep. permanently turtlenecked Secret Service guy says, yeah. I'm a natural voyeur. When, when one of his forgettable compadres says something forgettable along the lines of, you may not want to watch this. Audible groans of humorous distaste were heard when watching it with friends. All the best and keep doing what you're doing. Hi to J-Dubs also, Becky. Oh, thank you very much, Becky. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. It is a mad film. It's also got a bat creature in it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah it's really weird. That sounds good. I've got to say, it was one that not even not even registered on my radar. Yeah. I don't think I'd come across it at all. It's directed by Toe Pooper of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think that's all the feedback we had. <laughs> yeah, I think all uh, covered for the week. Hello and welcome to Actor. <laughs> You've shit. made him sound a lot more. Do, I can't do whatever it is I'm trying to do. <laughs> so that's all just gone wrong. Welcome to Act Two. Aww. I know, plain. Yeah. Plain Jane. I thought it was the best Spanish accent I've heard, mate. Yeah, it's bad, and it, I don't know where it was from. That guy travelled around. The guy introduced yeah. the this episode yeah. and then the first act. I travelled around. He's, I think maybe he spent some time in Spain, the spent way some time that in you did that, Latin America as The way well. you did that last one, it sounds like he travelled around for his own safety. Kept moving. <laughs> yeah, he kept yeah. moving. Because Interpol doesn't stop. You kept saying you were going to write that uh, movie pitch called Harry's Friends, didn't you? About yeah. Shipman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to show the other side. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were going to give him a first mate, weren't you? Yeah. Like a, a murdering first mate yeah, yeah. and a sort of play, <laughs> on, the, play <laughs> on the name Shipman. It I mean, it was all very clever. It was Watson. To, <laughs> to, to, to I just remember that. thinking how clever it was when you, it when you was said it. Pitch. I just remember thinking this is really good. Yeah. 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 Shippers. We won't see his like again. <laughs> well, not that we, we may be seeing his like right now, we just don't know yet. F- to be fair, for a long time we didn't know we were seeing his like. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, he was a real, real candle in the wind, wasn't he? <laughs> it, well, I'll tell you what's true, is that his candle did go out long before his legs never will. Good <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man by the shadow he casts. <laughs> Anyway, morbidly glib. That's morbidly glib. <laughs> yeah, that is that <laughs> Oh, it's going in. That bit's going in. <laughs> the uh, the earlier stuff, maybe not. Anyway, look. Um, 
Welcome to Act 2. Hello. No funny voices today. No, no, serious. Uh, serious a, business. It's a new year. Oh my God, and it's a serious new year. Oh, God, fucking hell. <laughs> hit the ground running, isn't it? Hit, hit the ground running, so yeah. Hit the ground screaming. <laughs> hit the ground screaming in agony. It Just, all depends how high you've hit the ground from. It's, it's hit the ground wrong and it's done its leg in. Yeah. A lot of people, when they say hit the ground running, you say aren't hitting the ground from, say, 25 meters. Mm. Yeah. Because otherwise they might hit the ground running, but they're not moving. Yeah. No. It's very this, much more of a crumpled This heap. is more hit the ground like a watermelon. Hit the ground, barely survive, and then have a mm. lot of surgery and metal pins. But what kind of life? Well, exactly. Yeah. Wishing for, wishing upon a shipman. <laughs> wishing you were one of Harry's friends. <laughs> wishing your shipman would come in. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That was the other title for Harry's yeah. Friends, wasn't it? <laughs> we haven't written anything based on reality. I'm not sure I no, would. We no, sure it'd, I be, would. I, it'd be very hard to do yeah. without staying on the sort of like careful edge of reverence that we often give. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll treat my subjects very carefully mm. and delicately. Oh, definitely. Heavily nuanced. Mr. Tax, they call you. Oh, tactful. Mm. So tactful. To a fault. It often doesn't serve me well. Yeah. Um, if anything, you know, again, this is how I ended up with the yeah. orphanage. It's because, yeah. I, you know, trying to be polite. Too and, given. And ultimately, that's why I had to just get rid of them all. Yeah. In the end. Like, of like my, a gentleman. Yeah, because yeah. of my compassion. <laughs> I felt my love for them would you overflow about, yeah. and I didn't want them it to see that. A and... bit like having the Hendersons. <laughs> had to, you, you had to get them away because it wasn't good for them. They were not suited to their natural environment, the fields. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who, if, if they're under, say, 30, are going to be going, Harry and the, Harry and the Hendersons? Yeah, if you don't get Harry and the Hendersons, that? then Some keep kid moving. going to a family, and a kid called Harry. Big Harry An kid. orphan. An orphan yeah. called Harry. John Lithgow fucking smashing it once again. The kid. The, the or- <laughs> the or- <laughs> Harry the orphan. What meant you John just... Lithgow fucking smashing a kid? Yeah, that's what I thought you were no, saying. No, 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 no. John Lithgow smashing Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> Well, I haven't seen that. Mate. That's why you had to make him leave. Hell. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, I know. Look, I, I'm, I'm not a kink streamer. Henderson's after dark. Everything goes right. Yeah. Fine, as long as you don't hurt anywhere else. But like, that sounds fucking grim. I don't know if I want to <laughs> see that. I mean, how did it even get made? <laughs> <laughs> Who financed that? And why on earth is John Lithgow doing that at his age? <laughs> No, this is him in his play. Sure, his ticker can't take. Oh, right. <laughs> no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. You could you, you could tell that was man with some strength in his legs. <laughs> so, yeah. What, come, we're fucking act two. Um, oh, like, well, like, Harry and Henderson's. Harry and Henderson's, <laughs> obviously. obviously. Up to the minute kind of references. Um, no, I'm going to save a lot of time by just saying I haven't really... I, haven't, I actually have nothing to add to this section. I, for, for anyone that does care... I've been playing Jedi Fallen Order quite a lot. (laughs) But equally, for all the people that do care about that, there's nothing I can say that you'd be interested in hearing about it. So uh, I guess we'll probably just move on. Um, (laughs) I finished the Adam Neville book, The Reddening. Fantastic. Everybody should go out and buy it. Ready do I call upon the audience to trust me implicitly? In this case, you should all definitely go out and buy Adam Neville's The Reddening. It's fantastic. It's an absolute pleasure. It's got something for everybody. If you like cannibals and you like Dorset, it's fucking all you want. <laughs> I do like cannibals and Dorset. You do love a bit of Dorset. So, yeah, mm. Dorset. 
<laughs> so that's all I can do. Yeah, um, oh, but you, you do it so well. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's you all do, you need. You don't need anymore. You, go, yeah. uh, you can pass for a local if you yeah. can, can it's, do it's, that. It's an old classic because they often will reference the, the yeah. county that they're in mm. when you're in a county. Oh, all the time. Everyone always reference. I'm always saying it. Yeah, like bleating sheep. One person's wrong person. Another person's just passing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and two wrong persons make a right person. Yeah. So, and that's how Robin Wright was made. <laughs> Not a lot of people know that she was made by two wrongs. Two wrongs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that just before the Princess Bride, I think, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It was yeah I was reading about it on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. two wrongs then made Robin yeah. Wright, um, and then that, and then very soon after she was cast in um, yeah. Princess Bride. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, a little bit of trivia knowledge yeah. for you there, everyone. Uh, write that down. Oh, I've got some culture that I've had to talk Hello. about. Hello. In the three episodes of Dracula, episode one's brilliant, episode two's all right, and episode three happened. Oh, God. Yes. That's all I'm going to say about it. But do you know what? Episode one is genuinely brilliant. Really good. Do we know how many episodes they're looking Just at? Just three. It, it ends. It's the end. Oh, it's a three-part? Yeah, yeah. Don't let that put you off, folks. Episode one, watch episode oh, one. Oh, yeah, no. Don't want to put us off. Episode mm-hmm. one, great. Episode two, not great. Episode three, basically don't bother is what you've... <laughs> I'm, look, I'm paraphrasing what you've yeah. just summarised, but don't let any of that put yeah, you off. Yeah, let me put, it, put you off. <laughs> Enjoy a good hour of Dracula. What you're saying is it's, it's the Jurassic Park trilogy, but yes. with Dracula. Yeah. What about the whole piece then? So it's shown in three episodes, oh, but they, so as a whole piece, as a Basically, they, they try and outsmart the Dracula myth. What vampires are? Oh, they the try and is. sort of subvert it and turn exactly, it on yeah. And they do that really well for like one episode, very well. Second episode, not so well. And the third one, they completely hoof it, in my humble opinion. Right. Totally watch it. It's not without merit. Even the third one's not without merit. I would say, as a caveat to my opinion on this, I absolutely adore Mark Gatiss and almost everything he's done. I am a huge fan of League of Gentlemen and obviously the Sir Smith and Pemberton. So I'm a big, so I'm not biased against, I'm biased in favour. You've got a creme brulee album. I really have, yeah. <laughs> you know, they made the heats of Eurovision. Did they? <laughs> yeah, they Did got they? the heats. It's a shit business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, I guess since we don't know if anything else to say, we'll say welcome to Act Three. That's it. <laughs> You're not getting any funny voices. So, so you finally dropped that whole Scottish thing. <laughs> yeah, that's run its course. Just do my normal voice. Yeah. Just do my normal voice now. It's be like this going forward. So uh, anyway, welcome to Let's Make an Horror Movie. I'm, I'm Dave, <laughs> and that's John. Hello. So this whole thing's a mess, John. <laughs> this, this one does feel very loosey-goosey. feels very Gary Lucy. <laughs> it does. So just, yeah, a caveat. So look, it's a sequel. Hey! Welcome to sequels week, or sequels month. Yeah, yeah. Pretty exciting. Is there a theme song? I know uh, you've you been working on it for a while. Sequels. <laughs> <laughs> like you famously picked it and never had a sequel. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, well, have you ever seen, you ever seen the A team too? <laughs> <laughs> the B team. Nothing comes to mind with a sequel. A team or bust. <laughs> but I didn't know I had to come up with a sequel's theme tune. <laughs> it's like, what a sequel has its own theme tune? You're the beauty producer, mate. I don't know. Even Ghostbusters 2 uses Ghostbusters 1's theme tune. Yeah. You want, you Star want to... Wars. I mean, I mean, I could go on. 
<laughs> All right, so look, the caveat here is that this sequel is set in the same world. This is a sequel to Goodbye Tomorrow, Ooh. which for listeners is episode 13. Uh, it's set in the same world, but it's not yeah. the same characters. So okay. it's as simple as that. Um, but the characters were so richly drawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how can we all forget... I want to say one of them is called Lucy, but that there might be a, just because we kept, girl, keep talking about Gary Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> there was a girl, there was a boy, there was a man, there was a woman, it was, yeah, it was everybody. It was, it was all you needed. Right? It was all your cis-het yeah. classic. All your um, cis-heteronormative <laughs> people were all represented. Yeah, a lovely slice of cis-het normative life. <laughs> so anyway, so this is a sequel to that. Um, we'll come up with some titles at the end, but working title you could think of, Goodbye Tomorrow 2. <laughs> <laughs> So it's cold open. We open on a barren wasteland, as far as we can see. Grey, grim, drizzle, wind, a lot of mud, tufts of grass here and there, debris scattered around, the odd bit of strewn rubble indicating the ruin of a building and so on. Cool. Through the grey, rainy haze, we discern a figure shuffling its way into clarity. Awesome, so it's set in Manchester. (laughs) The rough shape of a biped, but heavily draped in all sorts of coverings from head to toe. We close in on this figure's gloved hand in the rain, Mm -hmm. rifling through some debris as it picks out various bits and pieces from a pile next to what used to be a building of some sort. We pull back to reveal goggled eyes amongst a heavily covered head. The head covering is a dirty white, and we see that the rain running down it is black. A wider Mm -hmm. reveal shows this figure is carrying a pickaxe and a small assortment of mixed tools on a belt around his waist. Nice. But it's all very makeshift. So there's like Mm. a trowel and a fork that might have once been used for gardening. Cool. A small sickle, a rusty knife, etc. String and stuff around. String, exactly. Just all very, very scavengy. Some distance from the figure is another figure just the same. Slightly smaller, though. And as the distant one signals to the one we're following, like with a wave or some gesture, we see a group of raggedy, dishevelled people emerge from all around the distant figure in white. Nice. Our figure starts to run frantically whilst waving at the other one, trying to signal to him. Can I jump in very quickly? Tonally, spot on, mate. <laughs> I just want to put that out there so far. I'm liking it. Oh, well, I'm pleased. I'm yeah, pleased at You've kept my vision intact. I mean, it's almost impossible for me to do something like this to a masterpiece yeah. like Goodbye Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway... Yeah, so our figure starts to run frantically whilst waving towards the other one. So we cut to the emerging bodies. Uh, We see they're all early teens or younger, in tattered, raggedy clothes and in all states of dishevelment and personal disarray. Mm. They're carrying bats and similar. None of them are covered. They're clothed, but they've got exposed skin all over the face, uh, all over the place, faces and arms and such. Cutting back and forth between the group surrounding figure two, let's say, and the point of view of our first running figure. Yeah. In the closing distance, we watch as the teens start to encircle the covered figure, the other one that's not running, who's pulled out some sort of weapon too. And then we watch as the teens each start baiting the figure, diving in to strike him and back out to the safety of the circle. It's torturous to watch as the figure is outnumbered and the strikes the teens start to land are devastating, taking out his legs until he crumples to his knees. One of the larger teens walks up to him and rips off the head covering in one vicious movement, exposing the face of an older child, probably about 18 or 19, to the elements. Mm -hmm. As soon as the black rain hits the exposed face, he screams in unison with the other covered figure running towards them. 
The urchins are all laughing at the exposed young man, beating him casually as his face and features distort into a sunken, ashen coal pit and his eyes roll back in his head, his guttural screams distorting more into anguished gurgles of pain as his body convulses on the ground. As the urchins start to bore of the screaming living corpse in their midst, they turn their attention to the still-running figure who's almost upon them. Yeah. One of them, with a sword and an odd-looking canister, steps forward into the path of the oncoming figure, with a confidence that suggests one or both of these weapons is enough to deter someone. He starts hefting the canister threateningly. Uh-huh. Point of view of the running figure again, as, we, as we're finally approaching the group of urchins. In this urchin holding the canister, his face shifts from arrogance to worry, and he throws the canister at the running figure. The figure passes through an explosive cloud of black rain undaunted. The urchin runs, swinging the sword, which finds its lazy mark in the figure's heavily adorned side. However, at the same time, our figure, using his pickaxe like a traction engine, plows the flat of the head into the urchin's face, literally decimating the skull with the power of the blow. The urchin's head all but explodes with the ferocity of the impact, and before the blood has hit the ground, the figure has twisted his grip and taken a huge pendulum swing with the sharp end finding its target in another urchin's chest, destroying any fragile idea of the human that was there a moment ago in a shower of blood and gore. Wow. Lodged, he drops the pickaxe and the cadaver it's attached to, fending off two more of the urchins who are already upon him. They're trying to pull off his hood too, but our figure is fighting with such ferocity they don't get a chance before he's hacking flesh and appendages off one of them with the sickle from his belt, before literally beating the other one to death with his fists. Wow. As our figure comes to a slow, with bloodied red gloves and the formerly dirty white suit, now mostly red and streaked black and white, he drops to his knees over the writhing exposed body of the other figure, the 18-19-year-old. Living but dead, the body is convulsing and breathing, but otherwise completely unresponsive. We see behind him the last two urchins fleeing. Our figure gently lifts the body up and carries him off back into the rainy gloom. Wow, lovely stuff. That's the call open to the yeah. sequel of Goodbye Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, and you've killed a few kids. I am. Oh, I, yeah. I'm almost tearful with pride. So, one thing I'll probably just quickly note on this, I did note it at the end, but I may as well say yep. now, is that uh, this is a sequel to Goodbye Tomorrow, but mm-hmm. in the true spirit of the Mound Pod, yep. I took Frank. Do you remember Frank, listener I, Frank? I, I picked up on yeah, it. Yeah, you picked up on yep. that. So, just for listeners who weren't sure. If you don't remember, Frank wrote in and said, wouldn't it be cool if the black rain only affected adults? Yes. And so I took that idea yeah, and sort of added it to your, because we thought it was good at the time. Yeah, so. Act 1. Act 1 opens on a small hovel constructed out of various assorted pieces of construction materials. Cool. A partial wall of a building with a makeshift tiled roof, obviously reconstructed from a proper building's roof at some point. Mm-hmm. Plastic and wood mixed together, you know, walls that are just made of whatever's lying around, yeah, yeah. new PVC windows and stuff. Inside, it's like a hoarder's den with a mechanical yeah. leaning. Reclaimed stuff everywhere. There's a small fire pit in the center and there are two single beds. Yeah. In between, a photo of a man and a younger man, presumably the son. So it's the one we just saw die. Yeah. We see the figure arrive with his living dead son in his arms before placing him down, suffocating him to cease the breathing and the state wow. of living deadness. They, 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 know, they know there's no coming back from that. And then burying him. This, I imagine, could be done in a variety of ways, but largely, if not entirely, in silence. It's yeah. a grim series of scenes, potentially a kind of montage. Yeah. It's a series of days passing, if not more, and the Flickering fa- firelight, that kind of thing. The father trying to continue yeah. going about his scavenging survival business. 
There's some further exploration and excitement when the father comes across more urchins attacking another urchin, and he intervenes and saves the latter, though not necessarily intentionally to begin with, but just through necessity. Yeah. Again, I'm not going into all the no, details. I mean, fair, mate. I mean, urchin on urchin violence is a is a <laughs> is a pandemic. So this incident then gives him the impetus to leave his now incredibly isolated existence. Of course. Acknowledging that in some fashion he still hopes for better. This section of the movie culminates in him preparing, presumably, to leave the hovel and writing a note. We get to read the note over his shoulder as he writes it, and it basically Mm -hmm. conveys what we need to know about this sort of early Act 1 scene. He's Tom. It was his son that was killed in front of him in the opening scene, and they have scavenged and survived this long. It's about six years after Black Rain. Uh, But now, without his son, it seems a pointless existence. However, Tom is going for the long walk, and he doesn't know where he's going, just that he still hopes for something better. So he's sort of writing a note to anyone, in case anyone else comes across the of cabin course. and uses it, he's sort of going, this was Tom this and was a place whatever, my son. Yeah. Uh, do we still have the silver pods in the sky? Yeah. Yep, so they're like so, a constant overbearing presence. Funny, funny you ask that. So I imagine a lot of Act 1 to be just Tom, and thus very little dialogue whatsoever, so yeah. there will be a lot of nuance in the detail, actions, movements, contextual clues and stuff where dialogue exposition would otherwise have done the Of job. course. I also imagine it being largely done exterior and very grey with a washed out look. Yeah. We're trying to convey how grim the world is now and how hard existing day to day is. Mm-hmm. We also get the context again of the black rain and from time to time we'll see the sky full of silver ships in a tight grid pattern as far as the eye can see. Awesome. The rain is a constant companion throughout the act. So act two, we're following Tom as he's intercepted again by the urchin he saved earlier on. Mm-hmm. Taking some shelter, Tom takes his mask off and we get some back and forth between him and the urchin. The urchin's name is Sink, and he's probably like Kitchen Sink, and he's probably about 14. He doesn't know exactly how old, and the only thing he cares about is when he comes to be affected by the black rain, Mm -hmm. and he reckons he's a few years off yet. We get some exposition from Sink around what life is like for the kind of urchins like him surviving in the black rain. He suggests Tom try following him to Corsham, because he's heard that there's other adults there. Nice. Which is rare, because for anyone that didn't listen to episode 13, Goodbye Tomorrow, the Black Rain wipes out most of the adults. Yeah. It's just just before anyone really knows what's going on. And then there was, you know, some of the feedback Frank sent in suggested that maybe there was kids turning on adults. Yeah. Because they realised that they weren't affected by the rain, whereas the adults were, and it all became a bit Lord of the Fliesy. So I've kind of assumed that that is the history. Yeah, I think that works. Because also as well, because I think... In the first and the original pitch, there was infrastructure still there, but it was faltering across the movie. By the flash forward at the end, it was just shacks. Exactly. By the by the end, it was just yeah. sort of shacks and stuff. Awesome. Um, Mate, um, so. this is great. <laughs> it's just, can, I, can I jump in with like a weird aside? This is an oddly emotional experience. <laughs> I don't know why. So anyway, so Sink, the urchin, uh, the friendly urchin, yeah. suggests to Tom that um, they go to Corsham which is a small village near Bath in the UK. And I'll talk more about why later on. But basically, the reason for the moment is because he's heard that there are other adults there, and that's a rarity. And also, obviously, Tom being an adult who survived, you know, on his own with his son for this long. Also, Tom's got no star to guide him at this point. He's just now... Yeah, it's free and easy, just heading out into the wilderness in the hope that there's something better out there than what he had. Yeah, this is better than nothing. Exactly. Fantastic. So there's a lot going on in this act that I'm just very vaguely going to touch on. Yeah, no, I think it works. So essentially, Sink and Tom get to Corsair which turns out is a village near Bath in England but of course their version of it is six plus years of uninhabited dereliction and destruction 
The black rain has also been doing something to the earth, so a lot of the buildings just collapsed with subsidence, and there's been unusual tectonic activity where there hadn't been before. That's awesome. Over the six years, this took just about everything left standing down. This is why Tom was living in a self-built hut. Mm. Anyway, the reason for Corsham is that there's an underground Cold War bunker there, which is a ramshackle network, which uh, houses a ramshackle network of survivors. I think it's called Burlington, if anyone wants mm. to look it up. The Burlington Bunker in Corsham. I think I might have heard of that. Upon entering the bunker, we discover there are different factions of urchins. So we're getting a load of... We're basically getting... Um, it's a bit like in Hellboy. This is just the first thing that pops into my mind. Yeah. In Del Toro's Hellboy, when they first go to the... Uh, oh, the troll market. The troll market. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that moment where you see that this is much mm. wider world. So yeah. To this point, we yeah. you know, we don't know. We think it's very much disparate survivors. Can, and... I, can I throw another reference out there? Go for it. When they go under the city in Demolition Man. <laughs> my one problem with Demolition Man nowadays is Wesley Snipes, because um, he beat Halle Berry so bad that she's still permanently deaf in one ear. Is that true? Yeah. I just thought he was just hard to work with. No, 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 he's a fucking scumbag. Anyway, moving quickly on from scumbaggy snipes. I don't think she's permanently deaf. She lost 80% of her hearing. 80% of her hearing permanently in one ear. So she, you know, 20%. But the the fact is, he's still a domestic abusing scumbag. Back to the pitch. Anyway, where were we? Take your seats, ladies and gentlemen. So in, in the arrival at the bunker in Burlington, we basically get this kind of troll market scene yep. where we discover through a whole lot of exposition in various ways that there are different factions of urchins, some fairly benign, many violent and destructive. Because you've got to remember, these are kids who grew up without yeah. parents because they're all fucking dead. Yeah. With a kind of Lord of the Flies, anything goes power struggle. Yeah. Which... You can imagine it would be pretty fucking great. And I think also largely. as well, like with like unsupervised urchins, you're gonna get real factions where like where like they're gonna be rooms like groupthink. Yeah. So we get also get a lot of new info here. Kids can drink the black rain as water. Whoa. Whereas the surviving adults we meet obviously can't, neither can Tom. I like that. And there's a grim scene with bartering between armed children and desperate adults, complete with tainted water being drunk and resulting carnage. Also, there are the occasional urchins themselves who do not mix well with the black rain when they're drinking it. Yeah. And as such, we get some violent deformities and some potential nasty scenes with further Ooh, bleak stuff around that. That's very cool. You could have like an almost like palsy effect. Because if, because, <laughs> no, because if it shuts down mm. parts of the body and brain, you could have it where parts of the body have just almost like necrosized. So there's some, some potentially cool stuff around that. We also then eventually get to meet two relatively normal surviving adults who are fairly recently arrived too. Mm-hmm. Karina and Taj. Oh. The three of them, Karina, Taj, Tom, yeah. and then Plus Sync, intervene to prevent the worst outcome of the clash with the violent urchins, factions, yeah. and the water and stuff. But before things escalate too far in the bunker and the surrounds with the competing factions, etc., there is a break in the escalation as it's noticed that the sun is shining. Which it hasn't done for years. Yeah, of course. The black rain has stopped. As people streak out and look to the sky, we see things streaking through the atmosphere. Have you streaked twice? That's terrible. (laughs) As people uh, run outside and look at the sky, we, (laughs) we see things streaking through the atmosphere below the silver pods, some of which thump into the ground about half a mile away. Yeah. Our first reveal as to what these are comes with a violent urchin gang interaction. They discover a huge black beast Loosely bipedal, but with armour down its back like a beetle, standing on two cloven feet, with bristly hair where there's no shell armouring. 
A thin, long, flat head with large lower jaw and mandibles. Arms like sort of trunks. Or sort of like trunks, if you like. No discernible bones in them, but prehensile, like Mm. large moving snakes, or perhaps think elephant trunk, but with a different kind of skin covering. Yeah, sounds very cool. Tom's group are presented with the corpses that the kids bring in uh, as the humans decide what to do with them. As there obviously would be this discussion of what the fuck are these things? Where did they come from? Obviously, probably the same place as the Black Rain. So, so they just fell out of a ship's dead? They, no, no, they're alive. Okay. So they're like these huge beasts. Get you. Again, I haven't written it in, but I kind of envisaged these things arriving, but in such few numbers and disparate yeah. that they're entirely vulnerable to yeah. humans, even though they're individually huge you. and powerful. So they just You know, a yeah. group of 20 of these urchins yeah. with all their weapons and stuff will take one down. They've just come to like, to like supervise the work of Lassie, yes. Oh, well, well, we'll come oh, on yeah, to they, what, they, what yes, they're yeah. all about. But they're they're arriving, basically, and the urchins are killing the ones that they find. But they may come back in greater numbers. Well, quite. They always travel in single file, after all. So there's a discussion about what they are, where they come from, what about eating them, because obviously, you know, food's obviously yeah, been yeah. a big resource issue. Are they a threat? And is the rain coming back to the big dominating nice. themes? Um, with this new turn of events, Tom, Taj and Karina are sort of thrust into a position of authority as the disparate groups start to rally round a bit at this new turn oh, of events. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. So Act 2 culminates in a little more confrontation between the new alien beasts and the more violent and warped factions of the urchins mm-hmm. as the rest of the Corsian people start to find a bit more of a civilised balance now that there's this new paradigm. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in this act, all of which is doable in a script, but I just didn't want to go into huge amounts of detail. Because yeah. obviously time. As I say, stuff's changed because the yeah. black rain has stopped, which shifts things yeah. entirely away from the kids. That's cool. Um, whereas the kids ultimately had held a lot of the power. They're basically yeah. indestructible to this threat. Yeah. Whereas the adults, the, the few remaining adults. Changed, yeah. But now it's changed. And the sun coming yeah. out is a change as well because that means potential for things like produce. Yeah. And also survival and hope, I'd frankly. imagine you could have a real Rufio character from Hook. So like a kid who's been throwing his weight around, now this is all shifted on him. And it's like, you know, he's now not top dog. Yeah. And now maybe a lot of the kids now actually kind of want an adult because it's like, whoa, this is new now. Well, I think, and we'll maybe talk about it in the Act 4 a little bit, but there there could be a whole movie in that. Yeah. Originally, that was the way I was going to take this sequel, yeah. but you'll see I've, I've sl- taken a slight dog leg. Because yeah. that's a fairly horrific reality to it be is. faced with, and it there's a, more than enough horror there, especially mm. the water issue and this kind of horrible sort of bartering society mm. where life is whimsically cheap yeah. because it's kids. The adults are so vulnerable. Exactly. They can't even go outside, they literally... So there's yeah. loads of horror in there. Yeah. You could make the film all about that. Yeah, I just yeah. have chosen not to because it's my want. Yep, they're fair enough. Um, Act 3. Act 3 starts with a time shift forward five years. A bit yeah. of a throwback to year one because you had time shifts in that. I thought, mm-hmm. let's do it. I haven't done that yet. In Works so well the first time. <laughs> so time shift. We start with Tom and a small child in a sort of kitchen area while the child eats. Yeah. Tom, looking a little older, is explaining things to him. The alien beasts kept coming and coming, so we're five years later on them, in greater and greater numbers. After a while, they realised the beasts weren't a threat, and so instead they decided to try and help them survive, because in the early days, they often didn't, and not just from the urchins killing them. You know, so bacterias, da-da-da-da-da, injuries and so on. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of vulnerable. So one of them, that they call Barney, is still going Mm -hmm. today. 
they named him Barney when yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't think he introduced himself. Anyway, after some years, the beasts were surviving and helping the humans with some of their menial construction tasks, heavy lifting, plowing, and the like. In return, the humans helped the offspring of the beasts to survive too. So again, for a year or two, all of the beasts' offspring were dying, um, just like the adults initially had, but with a bit of sort of symbiosis. Mm. So nowadays, the aliens are so successful and plentiful that they've spread right across all the open space there is, at least as far as anyone has travelled and can see. Bear in mind, it's all foot travel and yeah. stuff. Because all mechanical stuff in the intervening six years is yeah. I mean, they're only now would be the yeah. time that they would start to even look at that stuff of again. Of course, yeah, before it's just a lot of buildings pure, have collapsed. Right, well, it's so, just yeah. such low-level yeah. survival. Yeah. So they've spread all across all the open space. Bear in mind, most of the humans still living underground, yeah. at least as far as anyone's travelled and can see. Barney, he tells the kid, was one of the first to arrive and is still alive, and one of the most placid and friendly of the aliens, and he stays around the base. Watch out though, Tom notes, because not everyone is happy with the beasts. Mm. The child is Taj and Karina's child, yeah. and once the sun came out, or as once the sun came out, everyone got a bit happy. Yeah. So that puts him about five years, six years yeah, old, yeah. right? It's like when you get a lot of kids born in like September, because <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of fucking at Christmas, the, preview, you know, the yeah. previous Christmas. We move on to see the small farming setup that the humans have created above the bunker, which they couldn't do during the Black Rain years. Mm-hmm. So in a small patch of land, because bear in mind we've had our five-year shifts yeah. and stuff before, there's a small patch of land that they've started farming, and all around we can see beasts grazing far and wide, similarly like the alien beasts. Yeah. Similarly, we see humans going about their business above ground with exposed skin, they're still carrying, you know, packs and stuff yeah, just course. in case, because, yeah. you know, that in theory the rain can start getting at any yeah. time. So we catch up with Sink, who's marshalling some workers on the field of produce, when a handful of the alien beasts wander onto the field and start consuming the veg. This causes a fracas with some of the workers and the aliens. Tom gets called to help prevent any accidents happening, however as we get to the scene we see almost a standoff between some of the aliens and the humans that had been working the plot. Barney is there too in amongst it all. One of the humans shouts something about the threat of this beast's scum and starts attacking one of the aliens with a yeah. spade. It just plucks him off the ground, tears his head off and drops his body. Fuck out. Which shocks everybody. Yeah. Because it just doesn't really yeah. happen. You're never ready to see someone's head get torn off. <laughs> as much as you think you are, it's always throws you. Always. And I think it would add, it adds to it if it's dispassionately torn yeah. off. Oh, so definitely, So if it's yeah. sort of like just boring. If there's if there, if there's no love in it, yeah. then it's it's, it's Exactly. Old. If there's no love, there's no craft yeah. no there. No luck. There's no craft there. <laughs> yeah. It's the pageantry that I like about yeah. that. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, once you lose the pageantry, yeah. what have you got? What have you got? It's purely busy work, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's a chore, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's shocked by that, but Karina and Sink, all of our four sort of main protagonists, have, have kind of naturally assumed fairly senior positions yep. in... Because they yeah. arrived right at the time when a new power structure then sort of naturally sprang yeah, up. there's a real mix of being capable and being kind of decent. Yeah, well, exactly. Which I think would help. So Karina and Sink step in to prevent any more confrontation with <laughs> the people and the beasts, and mm-hmm. using herd-like gestures, they get the aliens to back off. As the groups disband, we see some people remove the corpse of the dead guy and a few of the aliens head over to sniff the ground where it happened. We also, in this act, get some scenes with Karina, Taj and Tom, where Karina and Taj are explaining what they think is a gathering threat of alien beasts. Whereas Tom thinks that they're being hysterical and today's death was no more malevolent than a horse accidentally kicking someone in the head or throwing off a rider. Hmm. Karina and Taj are worried about their son 
and that Tom is being complacent since the sun came out five years ago. Yeah. And the battles that they fought to just to get to this point weren't for nothing, but they need to recognize that this is not the end of the fight. Yeah. Tom accuses them of being extremists like the others, because there have been others saying similar things. Because mm. you can imagine, not everyone's going to be... Of course, they're not on the same new, Especially a new population. Yeah. And, you know, there's always going to be people that don't like that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so uh, we get another scene in the evening, outdoors with Sink and his farm workers again. This time, as they're finishing up for the night, they see a large group of beasts gathering around the spot where the person was killed the other day. They're increasingly frantic for some reason, and more and more of them are being drawn towards the ever-growing group. Explaining to his colleagues that he doesn't like to see large groups of beasts so close to the bunker, yeah. to muttered anti-beast agreement from some, he takes the group over to break them up. Here we get a frightful scene where the aliens turn on the humans. In trying to break them up, the farmers are set upon almost immediately. Lifted, smashed and broken by the brute strength of the prehensile arms and the sheer scale of these beasts, yeah. the still living but immobile humans then each have a trunk applied to an eye socket and one to the mouth. We get the impression wow. that the eye is sucked out before both the socket and the mouth are injected with a sort of digestive fluid which dissolves them from the inside and then the trunks just suck up the gooey sustenance. Wow. Leaving the skin, clothing, hair, and all the annoying bits lying as husks on the ground. Oof. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I really do like that. I reckon you can make this pretty horrific, and I think for this movie we should double down on the gore for these bits, yeah, given, the vis- given the visceral opening scene. Yeah. And also, I feel like the audience by this point deserves a fucking tail. The film culminates with a scene the next morning. Tom rises to screams and chaotic sounds, and we're with Mm -hmm. him, following him all the way as he puts on some clothes and heads out of the door into one of the bunker's chambers and along the corridors as he follows the signs of panic. Karina passes Tom going the other way. She's getting out, she tells him, and she's gone. It's a passionate moment, but we don't know why. She fucking hates Tom. As we all broach the entrance and move into open ground, Tom clambers to the top of the grass hillock that forms part of the entrance to the bunker section of the community, and we get a view across the surrounding fields and hills. As far as the eye can see, surrounding the bunker and ramshackle dwellings around it in every direction are thousands upon thousands of the alien beasts, all standing still, all facing towards Tom and the small group of other people still standing at the entrance looking out. In the foreground are a large number of human husks, spread all around with the occasional wailing family member pulling at one here and there. Mm. In a beat, the entire sea of beasts moves forwards towards Tom as he starts to run back towards the bunker. We see the handful of people that were traversing the husks obliterated in the melee, trunks applied to eye sockets and bodies dragged behind as they press forward. Yeah. The film ends with a fleeing Tom getting back into one of the larger chambers of the bunker, in time to see a familiar dead kid at the feet of Taj and Karina, as they're both opening canisters of black rain. Screaming for them not to drink it, Tom turns to see the beasts flowing in behind him, Barney front and centre, destroying everything and every- everyone in their path, and as he looks back he sees Taj and Karina taking a long drink of black rain, before a close-up of his face and a trunk being applied to an eye socket before the screen goes black. Wow. And that's the end. Oh, mate, that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. I mean, ooh, I've got, oh, God, I've got a couple of instant observations. Welcome to Act 4, everyone. Yeah, hello. Carry on, John. <laughs> all right. Um, instant observation time. All right, you've completely gone... The other one I thought was really grim, and I put on the nice ending, because I thought yeah. that would be a bit uplifting. Oh, uh, yeah. What I think you've done... 
is gone to the core of it in a really major way. Because, I mean, I made no bones about it when I first wrote it, that it was a sort of thing about poverty and about just shit coming down from above on people. Yeah. What I really like with your one, which completely nails it, is something that I've, not to get too political or anything else, but how for the people in our society who take, it's never enough. Mm. And this idea that certain people have when they vote or have opinions in certain directions are always like, oh, no, no, they'll make sure we're okay. Oh, right, yeah. They'll trickle down economics or like, oh, no, if we have enough millionaires and billionaires, we'll be all fine. It's like... A widely disproved theory. Yeah, it's like, if it's not, if what they have is not enough now, it will never be enough. They will take and squeeze and and they will literally drink us dry. Yeah. And I think your one absolutely smashes that. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, look, I've written a little couple of lines on yeah, yeah, yeah. how I was thinking about it, so I'll just read them in case that spurs any more thoughts. In my mind, when I was writing it, I had this sort of pilgrim-settlers relationship with mm-hmm. the indigenous people of North America. Yeah. In the sense of, in this situation, I was thinking of the humans as the indigenous yeah, native totally. population and the alien beasts as essentially the sort of Western settlers, yeah. the pilgrims. Um, and so, you know, looking back on the pitch, the story very much plays out in that yeah. way. But ultimately, it is a sort of wider swipe at how living organisms tend to exploit weaker or perceived lesser organisms yeah. to survive. In this case, the alien beasts are just the next stage of the terraforming for this now industrial planet of alien yeah. meat. The humans thought they could live in harmony with the beasts, but eventually once the beasts realized they didn't need them and they could exploit humans for their own ends, in this case food, then yeah. that's what they did. The humans, in the scheme of this story framework, are so insignificant it's laughable, yet obviously that's who we're following, and none of them ever guessed that they're just young bugs in a newly fertilized cow enclosure, albeit on a planetary scale. Oh, mate, that's fucking strong. I love that. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I think the thing with the pilgrims and settlers is fantastic. But again, there's no malevolence there. Yeah. It's just a natural sort of order. Yeah, definitely. I also... A um, cynical cynical view of a natural order. (laughs) Completely. It smashes that. What's important as well is that the beast aliens, Mm. they're just the meat for the aliens that we never see. Yeah. So the real architects of this whole thing, we don't see them. We've got no concept of who they are. Very similar to your original pitch. Yeah. All we know is that these silver things turned up in the sky and caused the black rain. That this is, as I said, is the next stage of essentially a terraforming yeah. thing. Where it's basically just it's the intergalactic equivalent of um, changing a field's use yeah. from from A to B. You know, so they turn up oh, at a plot good. of land and they're like, "Oh, this could be a lovely orchard. Yeah. Let's plant a load of apple trees and and you yeah. know do that." And, and and they've done that here with planet Earth, and we're just weeds. We're just we're we're not even that. We're we're more like young ants. I was trying to just give this kind of dispassionate yeah. view of how the kind of machinery of life will just step on the next yeah. one down. Do you imagine that the architects of the situation are still there or do you imagine it's sort of like like a machinery that they've turned on and moved on? Yeah, to I the think they've one? turned it on and gone off you knowing, think knowing just, that it will left. take sort of, well, it will, they'll come back to reap the harvest at it's some like point. It's like a century sort of thing. I, again, that was something I had penciled in and That's then, did it, and then didn't thought. include, which was having some of the black aliens harvested by yeah. the greater aliens, if you like. But yeah. I just thought, well, I wasn't trying to tell their story. Hmm. I was trying to tell the Tom story, really. Yeah. And so... I didn't bother to include that. You, If you were writing a script, you could by all means have some element of that in there. There could be compassion that comes from the human side when they see what's yeah. happening. So when they see that these animals are then being farmed from yeah. above 
for yeah. presumably meat, then that would give you a huge sense of compassion, which would not only add to their reason for helping the animals, mm. but also would add to the audience's benefit of the shock at the end when they turn. Yeah. Because you've had that added oh, element. Mate, this is a, there's a lot in this. I loved it. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, well man. Done, sir. got to come up with names then. So yeah. an obvious one is Hello Today. Yeah. Because the first is called Goodbye Tomorrow. Yeah. Goodbye Tomorrow, Hello Today. Yeah. I've just been, it's a bit silly. Yeah. Goodbye Tomorrow 2, obviously. I mean, inspired. <laughs> or Goodbye Tomorrow, the sequel. Yeah. Or the squeakquel, um, <laughs> following following the Chipmunks. <laughs> Genius wordplay. I got <laughs> Fallen World's not bad. Fallen World. Fallen World's quite cool. Yeah. Eternal Circle. Yeah. It's also it's the Bob Dylan song title. And it's a great song. Yeah. But, uh, great song. So, yeah, go and look up Eternal Circle yeah. by Bob Dylan on the uh, 1993 bootleg series 1 to 3. Oh, nice. So, there you go. So, Eternal Circle, Death Beasts, <laughs> uh, Black Death. I've already in film called that with Sean Bean in it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the No Goodbye Tomorrow had had what I was aiming to be a very uplifting ending. Yeah. To a quite to a film that was depressing all the way through, and then I had a, I had an uplifting ending. Ending. Yours is the inversion of that. That it kind of things do incrementally get better. Yeah. Before the fucking smack in the teeth, mm. you could call it Good Tomorrow, because it's like Goodbye Tomorrow, but it's like Good Tomorrow makes you think, oh, yeah, it's going to be all right, and then eye out your socket. Nah. I mean, I, li- I like. Look, look, I like you. See you next time, guys. I, I like how you showed you're working. I like that. And that's that's you're getting marks for that. Absolutely. I just don't I think like good, good tomorrow. Good tomorrow. Nah, good goodbye tomorrow, and then good tomorrow. I don't know. It's all a lot of tomorrows. It is a lot of tomorrows, and I think it's fine for the first one, <laughs> but I don't see the relevance of the tomorrow <laughs> element in this one. I mean, you've become a real Abrams and Lucas now, haven't you? <laughs> look, nah, 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 just, nah, nah. I forgot my Jay Dove's hat on. You could do something on the farming aspect. Yeah. Like, what I wanted to do was find something that reflected the the sort of almost mundane nature of this mm. horror. It's a bit like a horror film f- from Ant's point of view. Mm-hmm. And then we are the silver spaceships, the black grain, mm. and, the yeah. black, and the beasts all rolled into one. We're not trying to kill ants, yeah. but we just happen to step on them all the time. It's that kind of concept I was trying to somehow reflect. Silver skies? Is that anything? <laughs> Is that any... Sky cunts? <laughs> Sky cunts, I think, was uh, that was a winning title. All right, all right, I'm trying. <laughs> Silver skies. I was thinking about... Um, fertilize, fer, you could call it fertilised earth. Yeah, it's quite good. Fertilised earth's not bad. It's my favourite so far. I feel that because of my praise for this one, you've become increasingly cocky. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 mate, no, 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 no. Oh, Leave nah, it with you me. Shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next week on Dave's show. <laughs> Next week on Dave Make a Dave movie. Um, I'm Dave and I'll be Daving. I quite like that, Fertilised Earth. Because <laughs> it's... Cause it's get, it gets I like Fertilised Earth. Goodbye tomorrow, fertilized earth, the sequel. Because it's like I saw it as a stage. Goodbye yeah. tomorrow, yeah. stage one. Yeah, I like that. You know, fertilized earth is stage two. Yeah, yeah. You could have a, as I said, a a, a trilogy where stage three is like whatever scorched yeah. earth, or you know what I mean. I don't know. So, uh, like meat's ready. <laughs> <laughs> meat, Goodbye tomorrow, meat too. meat's ready. <laughs> In theatres from Friday. Goodbye tomorrow. Three meets ready. It's like the porn spinner. <laughs>
All right, you don't like meats, really. Well, look, we don't. We're not in desperate need of a title um, for the third one. Sounds like yeah. Sounds like fertilized dirt. I, I would say for the listeners, Dave's even sitting more like a director now. <laughs> You've definitely got a real on Parkinson's kind of vibe to you now. Just our Patreon. Um. So yeah, you know, for yeah. like uh, for a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. I don't know. I'll send you smiles. Yeah. And I'll say things like "nice hair." Yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know. Just... 10,000, they can even have lunch with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but they don't pay. You're paying. Yeah, 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 yeah. God. I don't, I'm not made of money. <laughs> I've only recently come into 10,000 pounds. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'd love I'd love to go for lunch with uh, listeners who contribute 10,000. For money. <laughs> for money. <laughs> money or pleasure, yeah. but, you know. Based on my new He will go with you to any event that you need them to go with. Oh, uh, for 10 grand? Any event? Okay, what events wouldn't you go for? I don't want to see people doing the toilet on each other. <laughs> I just think <laughs> like, not like, desperately. That's like, more like a gala. For, depending on how, for 10 grand, depending on that, that's more like a gala. <laughs> I don't know why you assume that. <laughs> well, you asked me, what would I not attend? Well, I, where's my mind going to go? The joke I was making was that you're going to become by accent an escort. Oh, goes, Oh, yeah, can you cut me to an event? <laughs> Someone goes to us because I don't want to go alone. Oh no, it's just not the kind of thing you see on your own. That'd be embarrassing. What would the other people there think? Seeing all my old school friends. No, I just thought, you know, I thought you said somebody's paying for my time, so I I thought about more like you've paid for like you're you know, you're hanging out with Mark Hamill for three hours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know, not not an escort. So you because <laughs> I've got the confidence. If you're gonna see, if you're gonna meet Mark. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. No way you're gonna have to take Mark Hamill. <laughs> no, I'm not to a toilet show. <laughs> Is that what they call them? Toilet shows. <laughs> Well, oh. we've all learned something. Oh, fuck. <laughs> if it'd be me, oh, I'd have come me. up with a more euphemistic name. Yeah. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the show. But, oh. um, yeah, no, my He's point not... was more like, I didn't think of myself as an escort, more of like as a sort of celeb, because I'm yeah. obviously, I'm obviously <laughs> <laughs> like an ear celeb, audio and then celeb. And from there you went, oh, I'm not going to do <laughs> oh, no, you show. said, well, where would you not go for 10 grand? And I was like... Well, what would I not want to see? Like, what would I not want to sit through? Like, for 10 grand. Like, I'd sit through a lot of stuff. I'd, I'd yeah. sit through Death of Klinghoffer again. That's an opera yeah. that I'm not particularly fond of, but is quite highly regarded. And I'd sit through that for 10 grand. I'd yeah. sit through Wagner's Ring Cycle for 10 grand, uh, yeah. even though it's like three days long. I think that's another use for them for toilet show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's what I was meaning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's filthy. Yeah. Well, I thought I was going to see the opera, and I realised when I was there, Wagner was spelled with a V, not a W. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was the uh, classic. I think at least a third of the other audience yeah. members you there. Got Forty minutes into it before you realised. <laughs> but yeah, the guy was on his third dump by the time I realised <laughs> what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody had already fainted. Um, so, I mean, you know, do you want me to go on? Because that's one place that I don't want to go oh, for 10 what? grand. But for, look, for 10 grand, if it was an hour, I'd yeah. maybe still. 
<laughs> it depends who they were if their company yeah. is good I don't know who they are if your company is good <laughs> and, and that's you jam yeah well <laughs> like yeah. look I'm pretty minded guy as long as everyone's consensually taking part then I yeah. uh, look for 10 grand I'll come with you if it's an hour two hours tops yeah. if it's three hours if it's more than two hours frankly it's just not happening <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you need you've to, got places to be I'm, I'm in the truly the smell more than anything else <laughs> like you just after yeah. two hours, I mean, what what else can you see? I, <laughs> what, I how much stuff can they do? In, 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 you know, <laughs> I really feel sorry for the idea of somebody who's going to their first toilet show because they <laughs> love the idea of it, <laughs> and, then they, and then they find a smell unbearable. <laughs> I don't think it'd be a, like this. <laughs> they can put on, just put a peg on their nose, but <laughs> oh yeah, like in the Beano. <laughs> Write in, tweet us at the man pod if yeah. you want to know other places I wouldn't go for ten grand. Yeah, it's probably quicker to go through then than it is to the places I would go. Yeah, <laughs> you're so, quite open-minded. I don't know. Maybe we should wrap up there. I don't think we've got any other podcasts to plug this week, apart from well, <laughs> you've obviously got the best of the UK toilet shows. Yeah, <laughs> um, which you can hear us on. Um, yeah, as we, a, yeah, a lot of local shows. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of very so, small scale yeah, local in home ev- shows. Everybody always talks about the big ones, and there's not enough attention to Piss fest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I think on that. Yeah, on that bombshell. I didn't even say it at the beginning. I'm so shit at this. Um, email us. You can email us at let's make a horror movie yep. at gmail.com. Incidentally, there is no apostrophe in that, um, just in case anyone <laughs> wondered. Um, so let's make a horror movie at gmail.com with no apostrophe. Yep. Um, tweet us um, at lamampod, L M A H M pod on Twitter. Find us on Instagram under let's make a horror movie. Again, uh, I don't think, oh, there may be an apostrophe in that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Try all variations out, guys. Uh, yeah, and also, please, if you like this, please do rate us and review us on whatever yes, rate and review is very thing important. you're using, whatever platform yep. you're using to listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter. I put up stuff sometimes. Some of them it's good, some of it's not. Yeah, yeah, make us feel popular if you get a chance. Yeah, come uh, on. If you liked it. Help us obviously. out. If you didn't, then fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't, just, just contribute to the non-existent Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know and we'll talk about whether or not we're going to the show yeah, and maybe you'll win a lucky date with Dave <laughs> yeah so yeah get involved <laughs> thanks guys um, look, I hope you enjoyed that sequel episode um, and I hope you enjoyed John and I being silly yeah yeah I know I did it's so. been a real chuckle <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm having fun do send us some any thoughts any ideas you've got for how to make that pitch better or more interesting or even if you've got ideas for where we could take a third one Let's make a horror movie, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Bye.